0: Welcome back to the show. Today, we are speaking with Helen Morris. Helen is a podcaster and an intuitive energy healer. She is a certified emotion code and body code practitioner who discovered this transformational work of energy healing after the tragic loss of her daughter in 2017. She hosts a weekly podcast called The Beautiful Side of Grief, which allows people who have moved through heart-wrenching grief or who are working with the face of grief to share their journeys and heart-wrenching stories. And they're in this space of really putting their message out into the world. And it is such a beautiful space to honor someone's story as you're sharing this side of grief. Her background spanned many years in the health industry and includes running a screening program for four-year-olds to developing resources for patient management systems, and program analytics in her health IT role. Helen's previous experience has included the domains of radio, print, and public relations. She currently lives in New Zealand, loves to travel, and describes herself as open to overcoming any challenges that come her way. She has an unbelievable story. She's here sharing her story of overcoming childhood trauma major health challenges and through her work with holistic health modalities she dove into emotion and body code certifications to help her really solidify the belief and knowing that healing comes from within first this gave her an even bigger insight how stress anxiety belief systems and modern day living create disease within our bodies this work supported her in following the death of her daughter tall her very young daughter. And through her healing, she recognized this beautiful side of grief and decided to honor her daughter through her soul work and mission, her podcast and sharing her message to help so many others. I love this conversation and I love this connection of sharing a beautiful side of grief. So I know you're going to honor and love Helen's story. Welcome to the show today, Helen. I love having you here. And I know this even before we start. So welcome. Oh,
1: Marsha, an absolute pleasure to be here with you. I'm excited as you are.
0: (laughs) We we had a beautiful conversation on your podcast called The Beautiful Side of Grief, and then I think we probably talked for like 45 minutes or something afterwards, and those are always a sign for me that I knew I wanted to get to know more of your story and be able to share, and as I started to learn more about it, and I also saw that we had some interconnected friends, that we, that we people that we had met through podcasting that I knew I wanted to bring you on the show to share because... Even the title of your show, The Beautiful Side of Grief, I think that is that speaks volumes because most people would not put beautiful and grief together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is that something you have always seen? I want to dive into you and your story more, but is that a vision or a mindset that you have always had or did you learn to have that through your life experiences?
1: I learned to have that following the death of my daughter, Tal, and her accident because Tal was strong. She was feisty. She was s- sassy. And so she came to me straight away and she said, No, if we're going to do this, I'm going to show you a different way to doing grief and it's going to be beautiful. So whenever I started to have those dark spells or pity parties or whatever it was I wanted to, she go, Okay, you've got five minutes. And then you're out of it. And so, she, and then she would direct my attention to something like a, a book where I could just open a page and it would have what I needed to lift me to that next level. My daughter showed me that grief is the most heartbreaking experience ever. I'd like to lose my only child, my daughter, the whole meaning of my life, yet still be able to see it in a beautiful life. Well, that was like huge for me. And it really determined how I lived my life from that point going forward.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And I, I have to believe that she's part of everything that you do now, because you reference her in a sense that, that do you have visions with her? Do you have field downloads where she's there? I'm just curious. Oh, right from the outset,
1: she came to let me know about the accident. So before you knew, like,
0: yes, uh, yes, please, can you can please share this?
1: Yes, definitely. Because it was like so profound. So we had just shifted house. We weren't supposed to shift until the following weekend. But for some reason, out of the blue, I shifted the weekend before. So we just shifted into this new home. I was at work. I thought she was at home. I gave her a quick call to say, hey, babe, where shall we meet for dinner? Because I knew she had to then go on to work. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, mom, I'm just leaving um well, just leaving Napier, which is a town a little over from us. And uh, so she said, we'll meet at home because my uniform's there. And I went, great. See you later. And she goes, oh, by the way, go check out my room. It looks awesome. And so, you know, we just had this quick, beautiful conversation. I didn't realize then that she was driving. Two minutes later, her accident happened. And That haunted me for a little bit because I thought maybe I'd caused it. (laughs) But then when I sort of teased that out, I hadn't. But to go back, I was at home after that phone call. And just prior to that, let me just tell you this, because this is very pivotal, because a number of people, felt and saw this also. It was a really cloudy day. And as I was driving out of my workplace, there was this flash of sun through the clouds. It was almost blinding. And I remember seeing this flash of light and going, wow. And then when my sister came to me, her daughter had this profound stomachache and pain just as the sun was coming through the clouds. And she goes, I remember it. So there's that component of it. When I got home, I was busy unpacking a box. And then I just thought to myself, something's wrong. And I just felt this overwhelming need to go and find my girl. But I didn't know which way she was going to come home. So then I thought, okay, okay, just think about this. But I couldn't. I was already upset, I knew. So I phoned her best friend who I knew had the location of Tal's phone on her phone. And she that she didn't pick up, she didn't answer. And I left a message and I cried leaving that message. Now, I don't cry. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I cried leaving that message. And then I phoned the police and I thought, well, they will know that something has happened. So I phoned the police and they were quite chirpy and put me on hold. And and then when they came back, by that stage, Tao's friend had sent through the location of Tal's phone. And I went oh, I've got the location of her phone. And I said, but I didn't have my glasses, so I couldn't read it. <laughs> and so I was frantically trying to get my glasses. And then I said, oh, it's in Fondon Road. Now, this was a tricky road because it had deep ditches on both sides. And I remember the first time I drove it, I went, "Ooh, this is a bit tricky, this road. Anyway, I said that to the police officer. And then he said, pop, "He said, I'm just going to pop you on hold. Well. Wow. The previous hold, I could have, hear everybody, and you know, it was like chatting. This one was like blank, silent, and I went, "Uh oh." So he came back and he said, "I can confirm there's an accident." <laughs> However, he said, "You just need to stay where you are because we've closed the
0: road off." And I went, "Like
1: bloody hell!" So I got off that conversation.
0: Sorry, sorry. No, for swearing. you go. No, if that's the most swearing, you're you're good. You keep going.
1: Um, So I phoned the hospital because I knew that if they had called for an ambulance, then the hospital would be expecting an ambulance. But they choperly told me, no. (laughs) So then I Googled, and good old Mr. Google, within an hour of her accident, there was a headline, fatality between a truck and a car and Farndon Road. And I looked, and I read that headline, and I thought, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know who the fatality is. And it was my beautiful girl. Oh, wow. So she came to me, and she has been with me ever since. She literally wrapped me up. And I, I call it a cocoon. She wrapped me up in a cocoon for six months because she knew how devastated I would be to lose her.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so she has just protected me. She protected me when we were together. She was my biggest mentor, as well as my biggest challenge, (laughs) as well as my, you know, like she taught me so, so much. But yeah, she's with me all of the time. And she's here on this podcast. She sends everybody like your beautiful self to me. She says, it doesn't happen by accident, mom.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I, I mean, I love that. I believe that we are being supported and guided at all times. I really do. And I think that when we're open to seeing those messages, we see them more and they exist. Was there ever a point where you had fear of the messages or did they give you comfort right from the beginning? Oh, no fear
1: whatsoever, because both Charles and I, were a little bit spiritual. And I remember taking her, I was going to see um, a psychic medium who's very popular in New Zealand. And, uh, and she goes, well, you're not going by yourself, are you? Where's my ticket? <laughs> and I went, do you really want to come? She was about, what age was she? She would have been about 15, 16 by that stage. And I went, sure, you can come. So I got her a ticket and we went, honestly, I felt sorry for the audience because Calvin Cruikshank, who is the psychic medium, he must have spoken to Tile three times and me twice during the show, at, you know, at separate times. And I went, well, we're kind of monopolizing this a bit. But he actually finished the show, then came back on stage, sat on the arm of the chair, and spoke to Tal again and said, look, darling, he said, I really need to tell you that you really, truly just step into yourself, it, just be yourself. And he said, I want to share with you a story. And he shared a story of him studying in a new high school, and he loved swimming, and he was a good swimmer. But there was an older guy who was the swimmer of the school. And when Calvin came along, Calvin sort of ousted him from that position. And so he was – Calvin was bullied a lot. And that's what happened to my daughter. She was a natural athlete, and she she just had this gorgeous smile, gorgeous eyes – and she was bullied a lot, believe it or not. But she was also, she was a leader as well. So she got through it in the most amazing ways. But I think he was saying to her, just be you, do you, because that's all you need to do. And honestly, she just blossomed. So, yeah. yeah. So never a time when I didn't feel awkward or off. I just listen to the messages. And, you know, there's a desperation when you lose your child for messages, for that contact, Mm -hmm. for reconnecting with them. And, you know, that drives you up. Well, it certainly drove me
0: for those initial probably 18 months. Wow. Do you think that he had that much contact with her in that event because he knew? Like he had this, his maybe innate sense of, I've listened, I've had a few people I've interviewed and I've actually had a few conversations with people who very similar to yourself. And I mean, I'm very open to all different things, spiritual. Mm-hmm. So I, I do believe some people are very gifted and connected when it comes to receiving messages and sharing them. And I'm just curious if you felt like he almost yes. innately knew and how long was that before she passed? So that was just a couple of years
1: you know about two and a half years before she passed and yes she told me she saw the people figures on stage so she really felt that and really knew and had that side of her that developed and so I really trusted what she was saying to me around that and um, yes I think she came into this life larger than life And I almost felt like she lived her life 100 miles an hour. At her funeral, she had so many people there and people across the board. It wasn't just from her sporting achievements, it was people like I remember a lady I worked with, a pharmacist who was, you know, certainly at retirement age. And she said, I just loved Tal. Tal would come into the office. And uh, she would say hi to everybody, and then she would come and say, hi, Anne, how are you doing? And have and she said, I could have a real conversation with her. And she said, I knew she was genuine. She said, there's not a lot of teenagers who have that confidence, you know, who are able to do that. So Tao connected with so many people across so many different levels, and I think like with me she left them with so many learnings because she would fight for the underdog even if it meant going against the rest of the school if she felt that person needed support and needed her help she would just stand up go against them she'd go well that's your problem but i think what you're doing is wrong And so she had that about her, Mm -hmm. and I think it takes a very brave, courageous soul to stand in their own light and be exactly who they
0: are, and yeah, that was Tal. (laughs) Well, I I couldn't agree more. I think it it really does take somebody unique to be in that space, and it's not not even just confidence. It's a knowing, right? It's a Mm -hmm. knowing that... Mm -hmm. You know, they're here not playing small, not afraid to stand up and be seen, right? Allowing ourselves to be seen, which is, I think, is something that so many people desire, but very few allow themselves to do. So obviously, you created that environment that it was safe to be seen and to allow herself to be seen, right? So there was this support that was there. This process and how your speaking and sharing and this healing journey, this is not something that a lot of people, I didn't say a lot of people, there's a lot of people who go their whole life and not reach this level of being able to have this conversation. Again, no judgment, just a an observation in the sense that being able to approach this grief from a lens of love and sharing versus this is so not fair and being angry. Did you go through a lot of real, okay. So you did not go through amazing. I honestly, and why do you think that is?
1: I didn't go through any anger because there was nothing but love, love surrounding my daughter, even in her death, there was so much love. There was so much love for her friends, supporting her friends um Tal gave me the image of ticking off a checklist and I went no baby we were just getting to the good part where I didn't have to be in mum mode <laughs> that we could just be the best of mates and honestly Tal used to say things like oh she she was a hard case she would say things like mum you know, if you and I had combined our Kiwi savers, you know, we could get a place together and, you know, live together. I was going, Darlene, I think you might want to, you know, find somebody and live on your own. You might not want me on your back doorstep or like that. And she goes, no, 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 I'll always want you around, (laughs) you know, like. And so I had this incredible connection with her that really, I just keep thinking back to it. She was my biggest teacher. I was her parent. She was my biggest teacher. And we had to go through those tough times to allow her to be seen and to allow myself to be seen. And just as she was a fighter for the underdog, she was a fighter for fairness. And so if I was being less than fair to her as a parent, She would pull me up on that and she would go, look, you know, I'll take the consequence if I know I'm just being an absolute prat, Mm -hmm. but you can't say that to me just because you are tired and you're overworked and you're doing this and you're doing that. You can't say that to me. That's not fair. And so she was this type of kid and, you know, and I'd have to go, whoops, you're so right there. I am sorry. And... What I used to do is apologize to her and try to do better. And what she allowed me to do was grow into myself and grow into my parenting and not like, because I, I was a bit of a perfectionist and I thought, okay, I was doing this parenting thing on my own and I thought I had to do it right, whatever right meant. And what I had to do. It was just allow us to be the best we could possibly be and learn and grow and uh, allow ourselves. And I started to learn that, uh, you know, as she got older. And I, I learned to trust her. I trusted her that I'd put the foundations in place. So I trusted her to make the decisions because she would say to me, you don't trust me. Okay, yeah, I do trust you. I don't trust others. (laughs) And she would say to me, no, but, Mum, you're like a voice in the back of my head. So Mm. when I'm at a party and I go to do something, I can hear you. And so she says, then it's my choice. And I went, oh, my gosh. (laughs)
0: An old soul, almost an old soul, right? Sometimes we see that in our kids that they are very much an old soul in the way that they speak. And I mean, taking it even more, but it's like, I do believe we've come back in different ways. And I think that there are times that our kids are very much old souls here teaching us, like we are learning from them and that's being open to learning. You mentioned earlier that like you've had to learn that healing comes from within. Mm -hmm. And yes, we can have support from outside of us. Like we definitely we're not supposed to do this alone. But I would love to know what does that mean for you? Healing definitely comes from within. And when did you first really learn that?
1: So I learned that when Tal was about six and I had had chronic fatigue and Crohn's since my very early 20s. And I was in and out of hospital. I was on loads of medications. It was just like a hideous time for me. And, you know, trying to parent on your own. And, you know, I was, oh, it was hard work. Anyway, I went to this one specialist and I said, please, can you just give me some support around this tiredness? I'm so. Fatigued. I, that's my biggest thing. I'm struggling with that because I just feel like I'm pushing, pushing, pushing. And he said, well, I think you're fine. If you just uh, elevate your mood, then things will be a lot better for you. And I was angry at him and I went, what do you mean? Just elevate my mood. Well, of course he was right, but the way he delivered it was not right. And, um, and I learned that years later and I'm really, really grateful to him because I just went, that's it. I'm out of this medical system. I'm sick of being your guinea pig. I'm sick of going from one medication to another and nothing helping me. And in fact, I felt they were harming me. So I decided to go through holistic health and, you know, a layering technique where the, so Tal and I used to jump into the car, pick her up from school, and we would drive an hour and you know to my appointment, and I'd have this appointment, and but I would get really, really sick within. Um, like we used to sometimes have these breaks, and they used to give me the homeopathic remedies and within 15 minutes of taking the remedy, I would be vomiting and I would not be able to hold my head up. And I was, like, really, really ill. <laughs> and so this poor little girl had to go through a mum being like that, and that used to just happen. And I was just apparently one of a small percentage of people that that happened to because homeopathic remedies are normally quite gentle and, you know, but... <laughs>
0: We were getting rid of some stuff, I tell you. <laughs> I was just gonna ask that. That's that's the thing with homeopathic remedies. Sometimes you, you have to get rid of an understanding. You said Crohn's, right? Or mm-hmm. Crohn's, yeah. It's like it's really tough on the system and mm. can be quite toxic. So maybe as you were going through some of these homeopathic remedies, like you were having to remove a lot mm. from your system.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was so bad that I couldn't even eat before I went to work. So I used to have to wait until I got home to eat because it it would just go straight through my system. Sorry, a
0: little bit too much information. It's important. I think it's incredibly relevant and important because how did you navigate through that time and really start to learn how to heal yourself and where is your health now? So,
1: so, so that was my first journey on really
0: exploring all these holistic
1: uh, modalities. And I would reach a point. So really that layering technique was a first step and that gave me back a sense of life again. I really felt like I was on the right track. I wasn't quite there. So I tried sound healing and (laughs) picture healing and Reiki and You name it, I probably tried (laughs) it. But but then I started to understand that, you know, it was the way I was thinking. And I had all these self-limiting beliefs. And so I could get the healing, but if I didn't change the course of what they were removing, I was just going to embed that again. And then after Tao died, she introduced me to energy healing. So I was random. I'd downloaded some podcasts randomly. I was on a four hour drive to my favorite spot at the beach. And so I was just listening. And then I had this guy, Dr. Bradley Nelson come on and he was talking about the emotion code and how we embed emotions into our body. Well, I was a hypersensitive child living in a family I didn't feel feel like I ever belonged in. And I used to ask them that, "Am, am I adopted? Because I don't feel like I fit into this family. I was the youngest. I was never listened to. I grew up with people finishing my sentence. I didn't feel worthy. I felt like a need to fight to prove to people I was okay. And I did that all my life, and that had embedded to itself. That it made me sick. So when I was listening to Dr. Bradley Nelson talk about how we embed emotions, and if we embed them enough, they're like little balls of energy, and then they disrupt the tissue around. And depending on where they embed, depends on the types of disease or disease that you manifest. So for me, by the time I'd hit 20, I was sick. I was embedding everything you could possibly think of. And so, yeah, I went, oh, my gosh. So I listened to it again. When I got to the beach, I downloaded. He had, you can do this yourself. Download my book and it'll teach you how to muscle test and you can do this yourself. I went, this is so cool. Almost too good to be true, really. But I did it. Spent several days muscle testing, teaching myself how to muscle test. And you can start off with a sway test, because if you truly believe something, your body will sway forward. But if you don't believe something, it will tilt backward. And that is a reality. So anybody listening, go try it. You know, say my name is, say whatever your name is. And you can feel yourself, you know, just go forward and then say somebody else's name. And then you'll feel yourself, if you say, my name is Ben and Ben is not your name, you'll go back. So it's really, really cool. Anyway, I taught myself this um, muscle testing. And then I started, you know, releasing these emotions. Oh my goodness. For the first time ever in my life, I kid you not, I knew what it was like to feel peace and calm and strength. And I'd never ever, like it makes me emotional just talking about it, because I had never ever felt like that in my life before. So I thought, wow. So I actually then went over to the States and went to a conference. Because there was another level to this, the body code. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to become a practitioner in both the emotion code and the body code, because this helped me so quickly and so effectively in ways I couldn't even begin to imagine. Like, I didn't have Crohn's. Seriously. Uh, from this, and and even today, specialists do not believe that they say, "Well, you've got Crohn's." I go, "Not anymore, I don't." And they go, mm, "Thank you. These stories, they, sorry, <laughs> <I> love- <laughs> that's all right. They always think they know better, <laughs> and I go, "But no, seriously, I haven't." So the tests have proven that I no longer have Crohn's, and so this is a power of this. So I became certified in the Motion Code, the Body Code. I went to the States because I wanted to make sure it was a legitimate, you know, healing process. I I had the effects myself, but if I was going to help others, I needed to know, I needed to meet these people to hear how it all started. And so, you know, Dr. Bradley Nelson is a chiropractor, and as he was working on people, he would get downloads that, you know, their shoulder pain was actually caused by you know, attract emotion. And he would say the emotion and he would say, you know, have you got a lot of resentment at the moment that you're working through? Like, yeah. So he would release that. The shoulder pain would disappear. This is what releasing those emotions does. And I've seen
0: it over and over time and time again. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful because I always think back to like the body keeps the score. We literally are mm-hmm. emotions Combine that with being from a generation or time where it actually wasn't okay to feel. It was actually discouraged, right? It was discouraged to feel, stopping so emotional. And much like you, like if I cry, it's sometimes, and that's not a badge of honor, but sometimes people will be like, oh my God, what's wrong? Like if they don't know how to handle it, I'm like, it's just the emotions. I'm allowing them now, but we don't know how to do that. And it's the other piece that makes me think of, like, I spent years as a registered kinesiologist and in the healthcare field, a lot of practitioners will look at, you know, you have knee pain, for example. So they rehab the knee, they're doing all these things with the knee. As a kinesiologist, we look at the body and look at how does it move, what's happening. And I can tell you with like 99.99% certainty that where the pain is is not where the problem is and that's really a lot of what you're saying right is is that it's not um, even with a direct blow like i've i've seen people have a direct blow to something and the knee might be the major issue but all of the repercussions of what happened throughout the body because of that right they sometimes end up becoming bigger issues than the actual injury itself so our body is really really brilliant in how it processes these emotions or it doesn't process them it holds and protects us which is what our subconscious yes. mind does right it's yes. like it's not safe to feel so let's just bury that down into us and it's it's a process of allowing it to be safe to be seen and to share so you were went through this process of becoming certified, learning and understanding these emotions. were you was it easy for you to immediately start to share and be seen and and like feel the emotions or was that a process too? For myself
1: mm-hmm. yes, um because I, like I mentioned earlier, I was a bit of a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. so I wanted everything in my life to be perfect. Except, you know, that's something that you can never, ever retain. So it was a unraveling of this false belief system that I had embedded from a really, really young age. So, you know, from my family, all those feelings of not fitting in, not feeling worthy, not feeling loved, you know, I really felt abandonment and rejection. And so. Yeah, I think they just all impacted and embedded. So it was actually a process of working out because like I felt this sense of calm and peace in that, but then other things would start to come up again and I go, Oh, what's this layer all about? Okay, so there's something else I need to shift from my body, and I would feel like there's certain parts of your body that I think you're prone to feeling pain in or you know, disease. In. and you know, I've got a big toe on my left a big toe joint will always get sore if there's something that I need to shift mm. if and you know, and it's even in my response to people. So if I allow people to upset me, you can guarantee that toe joint will play out and you'll go, no, you need to manage this emotion in a different way. You know, is it a valid emotion? Is it, is that feeling valid? If it is, acknowledge it and, you know, take from it what you need to, to move forward. But if it's not valid, because this was a thing, I would absorb everybody's emotions and energies. And I wouldn't stand up for myself. I wouldn't say, actually, I hear what you're saying. However, I've got a different perspective on that, that I'd like to share. So, you know, as much as you're saying that, I personally am not going to take that on board. And that was huge, huge, huge for me. And I remember actually just recently with a work colleague she was so upset I called her out on something. I don't think she's ever been called out on anything, really, not totally. But I did because it was just, I just felt, why didn't you just come to me and say that? Why did you go and talk to everybody else around me? So it wasn't actually the actual issue that was a problem. It was the fact that she'd gone around behind my back mm-hmm. to my work colleagues and said something. And I went, but that's not okay. <laughs> And um, that created a lot of issues with her and I, and I could feel that straight away. She just put that wall up. And then when I left work, I recently, because I was shown that I need to go and do my passion, and that's another story. But when I left, I went to give her a hug because I thought, you know, I'm going to be the bigger person just because there's been... This and I tried to apologize her, but she still wasn't very accepting. And I didn't need to apologize, I just wanted her to feel better about what had happened. Mm -hmm. And she just let loose at me. She goes, I'll never, ever, ever, ever forgive you. But the beautiful thing about that, that said more about her than what it said about me. And I had no feeling within me like I could hear what she was saying. And I just said to her, I really thank you for for sharing that with me, and I want you to know that I acknowledge it. But in my head, I was going, there is no way on hell I'm taking that on board. Though, But <laughs> yeah. I felt really, really calm. And this is the difference of doing the work from the inside, from really understanding where your emotions and reactions are coming from, And ever since I've started doing that, my life has changed, you know, from victimhood to empowerment. Mm. So, yeah, I've still got some work to do, don't you? But, But, you know, I can feel it. I can feel it within my body. I'm a much more
0: compassionate,
1: grateful person.
0: And that's beautiful and incredible considering your journey and what you've walked through, right? From victimhood to empowerment is not something a lot of people can say. And I mean, victimhood is a, is a space that many of us can spend time in because we're looking for an answer to justify why is life happening this way? It doesn't make sense. It's not fair, etc. Um, but no change ever comes from there. So, learning how to shift into empowerment is really freaking powerful. Like, it's so powerful. So, is this the work that you do with clients now? This is a big part of the work that you do.
1: Yes. Do you know what? I, because it's so powerful, and because I'm such a great believer that you have to be making those shifts within yourself to get the true benefits, because There are many times that we go and we get something done and we revert straight back to how we were before. Mm -hmm. So now I don't actually even advertise that I do this work. I feel that the people who need to find me will find me. And then when they find me, I know they are ready because I'm also an intuitive healer with that. So I have downloads as I'm working with them. And I work with people across the other side of the world. I very rarely have anybody in front of me, so I do it all remotely. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the shifts that occur through this are life-changing for these people, and I feel like it's something that I have been gifted, and so I feel – oh, this is – Like people, anybody who's into marketing and entrepreneurship will be rolling their eyes at me because I really also wanted to make it affordable for those people because I understand what it's like to have had that victim mentality for so long. Why me? Why we? Why is the world doing this to me? Why, you know, why can't I have what other people have? And so. They're often in a position where they don't have a lot of financial security, Mm. and I want it accessible to those people. So, So they pay a base rate, which is not very much at all, and then they can top it up if they want. But what I want to do is just give that healing, because it's not me healing them. I'm just the conduit. So actually... It's it's greater than me. And I have been given this privilege of helping them. And so I respect that and I help them. And yes.
0: <laughs> you are a very unique gem. And I just I thank you for sharing that. And I'm I mean I'm so grateful because I think in this Time of online space, which is another whole topic that could go somewhere. Mm -hmm. It is just, it's, it's a bit crazy right now. And if you are in a space of saying, you know, that your program costs this much, there are some mentors are going to say like, oh, you have a lack mindset. You should be charging more. You need to be Mm -hmm. doing more. You need to do this. As you say, the marketing gurus can go a little bit crazy. I think there's a value, but I think no matter what, at the end of the day, Everything has to sit right with you energy wise. And I think there's something really beautiful about feeling good about what you're offering and what that is and the price that you offer it and wanting, seeing that bigger picture of how you want to help people and what that looks like. I think there's something really powerful about that because I don't, I don't, I feel like that is a, a big piece of unrest in this online space right now, you know, one person charging $30,000 a month, one charging, like it's, it's, it's nuts. And I think that at the end of the day, you have to be the one that feels really good about what you're doing, what you're offering and how you're helping others. And I think when you stay in that energy, like the doors are going to continue to open the doors that are meant for you that are going to continue to open. I so believe that.
1: And as I mentioned, I left work and I left work because I got this thing happening in my head. And that was a big wake up call. That was, if I went through oh, months of trying to work out this and loads of doctor visits and tests and I couldn't heal it myself. Nobody else could heal it. It just kept going on. What it was was a wake up call that I was moving further away from my passion and my authentic self. By working in, in the job I was, I love that job. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I'm a Virgo and I do everything to 150%. And, you know, people learn my skills and then they just want more. And so I get more overloaded with work because everybody's wanting a piece of me. Um, once they hear, you know, like what I can do. And so I had to actually step away from that. And when I resigned, I had this calmness that that's what I needed to do. And I knew inside that I needed to go and work on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And then the first thing I did was change my rates and packages. I got rid of all my packages and I just made my healing this one package that everyone can access because we had also had, um, you know, major cyclone damage in Hawks Bay, where I used to live for a long, long time. And, you know, so many people lost their livelihoods, their homes, everything. And it's still such a mess there from the cyclone. And that's, I kept thinking there are so many people that need access to this who are having to start from scratch again in their life. And yeah, so. I'm going to do my little bit to help them. And I feel it's a privilege to do that. And I film my podcast where I'm sharing stories like the story I shared with you, that which was so beautiful, the way you opened up. Oh, my gosh. And spoke about stuff you hadn't spoken about before. What a privilege that was for me because I know I'm doing my job right when people feel safe enough to do that. And I feel that that's a conduit that you know loads of people are going to be helped as well. So really, my life is about being in service now. I don't need to go and prove myself to anybody. I don't need masses of money. I need enough to live off. And because I, I you know, I'm not into consumerism anymore. I'm, I'm actually decluttering. I'm getting less in my life, and I'm happier than I've ever, ever been. And it's about the people and the connections in my life now. And as I live my authentic self, I feel like the universe just looks after me, keeps me safe, keeps me provided. My girl's always there. She's never, ever leaving me. She will never let me not Mm -hmm. be okay. So...
0: There's certain, there's such a confidence and certainty and knowingness in your voice that is, is just, it's so beautiful and so grounding. Like I found you, I I find your voice and your message so grounding and I love it. And yes, I will make sure to link um, my episode on your show because it was very different and you hit some questions. I've had a few hosts recently come at my story from a very different side and you did that. And I was like, oh, I love that. I love how you did that. I don't discuss my health journey very often. And yet it's such a big part of my story and who I am. I just recently did that on a series of, of Instagram stories and shared you know, how I came into the world of NLP coaching and mindset and understanding and healing and was really when I was in the hospital after I almost died. And I was like, literally sitting there going, okay, Marsha, what are we doing here? Because this is not how I want to live. Like this is not it. And yeah, you definitely touched on a lot of those parts that I don't I don't share a lot and I think they're incredibly important. So it speaks volumes to you and how you're able to have and hold those conversations, but it also speaks volumes to the amount of work you've done on yourself and healing yourself because it you have you can't <laughs> you can't fake coming from a grounded healed space if you're not there. You just can't. You can see it.
1: And I believe that's what Like you say, what attracts a lot of people, but it's also that I never listen to other interviews that people have done prior to interviewing someone because I do not want to be influenced by somebody else's perspective. What I want to do, and I research, Marsha, I seriously, yeah, I don't, I take the time because I value every single person that I connect with on my podcast because they are sharing with me themselves. They're taking the time to show up, be present, to be there. And that's the way I honor them by doing as much homework as I can. And honestly, I speed read books sometimes because they've shared a copy of their book with me. And I feel like what a privilege it is that they've given me that opportunity and where I can, I will always read their book. Mm-hmm. And, and then again, they say, gosh, you know, nobody's asked me that question. That's because it's hidden in the depths of, of, of this story, but it's a very key part. And like you, you would not be where you are here today, now without this incredible health journey you've been on. And that incredible journey with your boys and the realizations and understandings that you've garnered from both of those, which has opened you up, which has allowed you to know that you're bigger than the belief system that you had that took you on that initial or those initial journeys. And so that's testament to you doing the work as well and being vulnerable. And that's it allowing yourself to be vulnerable, to share parts of ourselves, the parts that we're ashamed of and guilty of and resentful of. I had a lot of jealousy mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something I was going to go into much easily to people because I was so ashamed of that, you know, being jealous of people. Yet that jealousy was the thing that was holding me back from being exactly like them. And then once I learned to let that go, wow,
0: what a big change. It's okay. First off, I'm going to just receive exactly what you said, because that was just very kind and I love, appreciate it. I really do. Um, And secondly, I think that for anybody who's listening, there's a lot to learn about ourselves, about those triggers that that keep coming up, whether you call it a trigger, an activation, whatever you want to call it, but you guys know what it is. It's like the jealousy, the comparison, the pieces that come up. Um, I had a friend say to me the other day, she's like, your superpower hands down is your vulnerability. You like, it is your hands down. It is what has opened you up. And I thought, you know what? Okay. Yeah. I actually do receive that. And then I had a moment last week where I felt the pangs of um, comparison. And then I, it's a slippery slope because all of a sudden it comes comparison, not doing enough. Now it's like perfection kicks in, shame kicks in. And I mean, I can't even slow the the downward spiral fast enough because it just happens. And so I went, all right, if vulnerability is my superpower, how can I lean into this? And so I started sharing about what is it like when you're in that lack mindset? What does it feel like? And I reached out to the two women who were, I think it's fair to say they're expanders for me. Like, I think they're expanders. They are definitely somebody who I was like, oh my gosh, like if they can do it, why am I not doing it yet? right? Our language, our words are so incredibly powerful. But what we see in others is that we see it because it's available. Like it is available for us. We just haven't tapped into it. And so for both of them, I actually reached out and I was like, listen, I know this is going to sound really weird, but I'm going to I have a relationship with both of them. So don't like, and I reached out and it was just honest. This is what I was feeling. And I don't need anything from you. I just want you to know you're expanding me. Sometimes it's uncomfortable and you really do like inspire me to show me what's possible. So, so because I opened up this vulnerability conversation, both women shared something incredibly vulnerable with me that I was like, oh my gosh, like completely almost blown away. And the one was like, I barely told anybody that, but I just felt safe. And so obviously this is something you're able to do. And I'm only sharing this because you just opened this conversation, but take that superpower, lean into it, even if it makes you really uncomfortable and share from that space. It's okay. This is really going to tie into your emotions. It's okay to feel those feelings. We have to stop making them mean something so bad about ourselves. We need to feel them, to process and move through them and see them differently, right? Like we have to stop making those emotions mean that we are not capable of doing whatever it is that we're here to do. And I just share something
1: around that because I think what you're saying is so vital and so valuable for people to understand. And you know, for me. I gained a lot from the realization that people only operate from their level of awareness. So we're all at our own individual level of awareness because I used to think, now this is going to sound horrible, but because I was such a perfectionist, you know, if somebody really, really incompetent, if I was working with them, i will go, how come they just don't get this? Like, I've shared this, I've written it out in a manual, I've done this, I've done that. How can they don't get that? And then I thought, oh, they think they are getting it. They are operating from their level of awareness. So back off <laughs> and let them be and embrace exactly where they are, because if this is their journey and those Lessons are for them to work out and learn and share, not for me to tell them. And so all I need to worry about is me. Mm -hmm. And I am exactly who I am, how I look, how I act, how I behave, because I was born perfect as I am. This was who I was meant to be, not to change all my looks. There's a reason I look like this. You know, and, and, you know, we're all striving to look younger and prettier and all of that. Yet, you know, when you just say, okay, I chose this body. I'm Mm -hmm. a great believer that you chose your soul journey here in this lifetime. So you opt what you're going to look like, Mm -hmm. what the situations you're going to be in you know, all the things that you need to learn. And some people just come here for a holiday. So they've got the nice and not life and the boats and they go on the trips and things like that. You know, that that's their vacation time. And, you know, they've decided to do that. They don't their soul doesn't need to learn a lot. But some of us come with huge things happening in our life. And the reason they happen is because, one, we've picked them, and, two, there's an opportunity to learn and grow from these. But the biggest thing for me was just to be able to look in the mirror and say, Helen, I really love you. mm -hmm. I really love the person you are. I really love that you've been on this journey. You've failed so many times. You've had to pick yourself up, dust yourself off. But you're doing it, and you are leading now with your heart, mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful place to be leading from. So kudos to you. What a beautiful person you are. And I say this in my, to myself in my mirror because I do really love the person I have become. And, and I think that's a, a key that will unlock the door for so many people, because it's not about others loving you it's about you loving you and when you love you everything else will just open up you'll be that butterfly
0: emerging emerging from the chrysalis oh i love that that is so beautiful there is like not to throw some science key like weird research into it but there is like mel robbins has shared a lot of research on the power of i connect connection in the mirror with yes. yourself And, you know, she does the high five, but she's like, you really want to catapult it? Like, take a moment and say, like, I love you. I'm grateful. But eye to eye contact with yourself. And if it's uncomfortable, then that's a sign that you actually do have to do it. Like, it's something you do need to lean into doing is being into that space and embracing. And I think that, you know, we can be so critical of ourselves of what we're doing, not doing enough of whatever that is often say like, we need to zoom back out and look at what have we walked through from the last year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. And, yes. you know, if you can really look at it as though it was a friend, how would you say to them, you know, how, how this process has gone, you probably would praise them for what they've done. So learn to do that with yourself, right? Learn yes. to do that with yourself.
1: And I just add something to you. Um, what you said about the mirror and looking at yourself The first thing I started with was just, I love you, because at first I didn't believe it. But you keep saying it to yourself until you start to feel yourself change. This research is showing that when you love yourself and you say, I love you, it has the ability to change the chemistry in every cell in your body, just loving yourself, okay? The second thing, if you want to know what your triggers are, get a list of um affirmations I am beautiful I respect others I am confident and you just go through this whole list then you listen for the one that doesn't sound right (laughs) your voice has changed (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know I'm full of love for others am I really (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know like you can feel that you can feel when it doesn't quite resonate with you and that's often then and i an opportunity to delve into that a bit further mm-hmm. just sit with yourself and go okay let's strip away the layers of this and work out what it is about this one small sentence that was a bit of a trigger for me mm-hmm. and then you can learn a lot from that too so
0: we are always learning from ourselves i love those thank you so much for all of those extra nuggets for people who are listening um where is the best place for people to connect with you we'll make sure everything's in the show notes but as well like where can they best learn more about
1: you okay from my website thebeautifulsideofgrief.com And in fact, if you just put the beautiful side of grief in, that's how you're going to find me and you're going to connect with me. Because like you said right at the beginning, beautiful and grief don't typically go side by side. So there's not a lot of other people using that. That And um, yeah, and I've just uh, rebranded, just changed everything to the beautiful side of grief because that is my focus. That is where I really want to be reaching people and helping them understand that there can be that in their life. There can be that pain, that heartache, but there can also be that beautiful side as well. So
0: yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'll make, like I said, I make sure it's all in the show notes. Um, Your podcast is so incredible. The Beautiful Side of Grief And it really does connect into so so many beautiful stories. So I'll make sure that that's in there as well. I've loved sharing everything that you're doing. And I know this is only a taste of what you do, but I'm grateful that I've been able to have you on the show today and be able to share you with and the work that you do with my audience. And I would love to know one question for you is what lesson in life are you most grateful for?
1: Learning to love. Mm. Seriously, I think everything about why we're here on this earth is about love. And that's something that we're lacking. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we learn to love ourselves, then we open ourselves up to truly, truly loving others. And when we truly love others, then we just create this magical space around ourselves and this beautiful energy, and then everything makes sense, everything we're doing. Because if you surround yourself in love, if you're doing a job that doesn't vibrate with that, is not of that resonance, then you will leave that because you you know that that's out of sync with how you want to live your life, how you want to treat others. And I think that's the purpose of why we're here, to go through our journey, to overcome our obstacles, and to reach a place of
0: just pure love. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for being here, Helen. Thank you for sharing this Time, space, and energy with us. And thank you, Tal, for being here because I believe that we were not alone during this interview. So I honestly am so grateful for you and for this incredible conversation. She says, Thank you. <laughs> she
1: talks to me all the time. So she says, Yeah, you're on to it. <laughs> um, Marsha, Marsha, I am so grateful for this time with you as well. This has been a beautiful conversation. You have Asked me things that most people don't get, I don't get to share with them. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And yeah, may our beautiful connection continue. Oh, they will across the
0: globe, across the globe. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. If you love this episode, I invite you to tag me on social media with your takeaways or share it with a friend. Please, if you feel called, take 30 seconds to leave a five-star review and I will be forever grateful until next time. Remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.